Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and here's my host. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are talking about the movie Dune. A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. You are about to enter a world where the unexpected. Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown and incredible secrets have been kept on this planet. And the unbelievable meet. I see two great houses. Where kingdoms are built on Earth that moves. We have worms sign the likes of which even God has never seen. And skies are filled with fire. The prophecy which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness. Where a young warrior is called upon to free his people. A world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. Where the mighty. This is genocide. The deliberate and systematic destruction of all life on Arrakis. The man. <laughs> I will kill him! I will love you forever. And the magical. Father, the sleeper has awakened! Will have their final battle. Show the slightest pity or mercy. Emperor, we come for you. A spectacular journey through the wonders of space and the mysteries of time. From the boundaries of the incredible to the borders of the impossible. Now, Frank Herbert's widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece comes to the screen. Dino De Laurentiis presents Dune, a world beyond your experience, beyond your imagination. All right. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and kick off the synopsis. In the year 10191, a spice called melange is the most valuable substance known in the universe, and its only source is the desert planet Arrakis, a.k.a. Dune. A royal decree awards Arrakis to Duke Leto Atreides and ousts his bitter enemies, the Harkonnens. However, when the Harkonnens violently seize back their fiefdom, it is up to Paul, Leto's son, 
to lead the Fremen, the natives of Arrakis, in a battle for control of the planet and its spice. Short, sweet, to the point. Um, I, like it. I am very familiar with this film. I've seen it several times. I have read all the books and I have watched different iterations of Dune on the screen. So let's start with you, Chris, as somebody who has not done or seen those things with yeah. your first impressions. I'm the total opposite. I've never read any of the books. I had not seen this movie. I hadn't, there's another mini series. I think I haven't seen yep. that. Um, I liked this overall, this, um, you know, I had some familiarity with the story. I mean, I knew kind of the general idea of what it was about. Um, I think visually this is great and everything that I'm going to say here, since I haven't read the book or any of the books, you know, all I can go by is the movie. So, um, you know, as far as how this was adapted, I can't really speak to any of that or how, you know, true it is to the source material. But I thought this was a really great looking movie. At times it had a, it was giving me a little bit of vibes of uh, the 1980 Flash Gordon. Uh, mm -hmm. Less campy, but, but that's a movie that I loved as a kid. So that's not a bad thing. Well, uh, and just, just to be clear, we are talking about, the Dune of 1984, not the yes. one that's coming up purportedly later this year. Yes, exactly. So this is the film from, from 1984 we're talking about. But, you know, even for 1984, I, I feel like this looks really good. There, um, There's not a ton of special effects. I, I think the art direction in this was, was pretty fantastic. Uh, I, again, I don't know how anything visually looks compared to how it was described in the books but and this being a david lynch movie so david lynch directed this uh visually he's a really great director i think and i'm i'm a big lynch fan and that was one of the things that i thought was interesting with this is his most of his movies narratively you know, are going to leave a lot of people cold because his movies are kind of like almost like dreams or nightmares or something. And so with this, the fact that he was adapting from a novel, there's definitely much more of a story structure than what you would typically experience in most of his work. Um, but the, you know, the effects are good in this. I thought the, uh, the, the outfits of all the characters, you know, looked cool. Um, it's science fiction with spaceships and all that, but it, it doesn't look exactly like, you know, it, it kind of seems like newer movies now that are science fiction. They basically want to make everything look like star Wars, which I didn't feel like they did with this. The performances are very good in this. You have a lot of good actors, you know, Kyle McLaughlin. I don't know if this was his first movie or one of his very first, uh, he's good in it. Once again, he has great hair, just like in uh, The Hidden. I, I felt at times like his hair was almost its own character because he just has so much of it and it just kind of flows around and everything. You have Patrick Stewart in, uh, he's very different than the Patrick Sp Stewart than we're used to. Mm -hmm. You know, he's this general, I guess, uh, kind of no nonsense, hardline general, I think. Uh, Sting is in this. And I was thinking, uh, 
it's a shame that Sting didn't do more movies because I think he's a pretty natural actor. Camera loves him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he, he has a kind of a limited role, but but he's really great. And the uh, the Baron. Now, that guy's doing a very over over the top, uh, you know, act. And I don't you can speak to that. I don't know how that plays out in the book. But so there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of good acting in this. So this movie gets panned a lot and I'll get into this later, the the problems that I had with it, but I, I, I enjoyed this overall. I thought it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I love it. So I'm, I'm very biased and I do, I'm not blind to the criticisms of it. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's a David Lynch, film so it's all very deliberate and it's very stylized um and the performances are stylized as well and all of that is uh, those are choices right that's not accident you can't say oh why, why is this why is the you know the fat guy with the bubbles all over his face why is he screaming everything right it's he's a madman you know and the, the costume design of looking very sort of um, early 19th century with the epaulets and the military uniforms. Um, you know, they say, first of all, one of the things that I really love about this pro property and of the films we've been watching recently is this one is not set in uh, 2019, 2020 or 2021. It's mm -hmm. set in 10,191. So they've gone so far out into the future that you know it you say well what would a military uniform look like then and their costume designer was like oh i really want to go with this kind of formal hierarchical uh pomp and circumstance look uh, you know and i think it works i have read criticism of it that's like you know why are they dressed like this in space and i think you're you're missing you just have to kind of go with it at a certain level right Mm -hmm. The other thing I'll say about this property that is going to be interesting in this next one is that there, it's a little bit, I say this, I feel like I say this in every single podcast, but it's a little bit like adapting the Lord of the Rings. There's so much material um, that just getting everyone's name straight and who does what, for example, Duncan Idaho is a principal character in the book and a badass and a, a character you love when is on when is on screen and in the movie there's maybe two or three scenes with duncan idaho um it's just there's no time to develop his plot lines really because you've got to get you have to follow this messiah character from his inception through to the completion of his arc you know i i if you're not familiar with the material i get it a lot of it's like wait what house who duke which why you know and they 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 spell it out the movie opens with a monologue of the emperor's daughter who talks for it's got to be five minutes yeah yeah <laughs> she's just like okay the year is ten thousand one ninety one. Mm -hmm. everything's different now here's how it works here's who's who and it's a lot you know it's yeah. it's like a big scroll of dialogue up the page in the beginning of a film, except you have an actor um, speaking it. 
Um, I, I will say that they rewatching it again was really interesting because I think they he does do a fairly patient job of reiterating you characters will stop and you'll hear in sort of voiceover something key they said previously you know he really tries to not let important threads escape the attention of the casual viewer um but it is it is um it is very dense material you know when when you when you look at the different visual elements of it too, the the design of the sandworms really comes from the artist who designed the cover for the original novel, but it's quite original and gorgeous. The 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 effect of those sandworms sort of opening up their giant maw and seeing the rows of teeth. Um and it's of a different piece than say the folding space effects or the design of the spaceships from this or that planet. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's of a different piece than the, than the costume design, but I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed rewatching it. Um, it's got a special place in my heart and I'm very excited to see, I was just looking over the casting of the new one. That's, slated to come out later this year although with COVID, who knows what the schedules are going to be um the the casting looks spot on uh for the new one yeah i, th I think i think the new one's going to be fantastic uh, let me ask you this did you read the book first or did you see the movie first you know i don't know the answer to that i think i read the book first but you were like was in, this when we were kids that you read it well, the movie, the movie came, yeah, the movie came out in 84 and I was an avid uh, reader of horror and science fiction. And I just imagine that like in the summertime, all I would just burn through books mm -hmm. um, and to the point where I, I was always looking for what, you know, to line up a book after the one that I finished. And so now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm sure that I read the books first because I wouldn't in 1984 have gone to see Dune in the right. theater. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I didn't have that kind of agency. Sure. Uh, you know, I wasn't driving yet. So who was going to take me to the theater? My parents aren't interested in this material. So I'm sure I didn't see it until it was available, like on VHS or something like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I remember being necessarily even aware of this at the time. You know, I don't I don't remember. Can you imagine seeing this movie in 1984, though? I mean, you know, this is a contemporary of the Wraith. Really? Yeah. I mean, that was what, 86? Yeah. And uh, admittedly, they're very different genre movies. But, you know, and I'm not comparing this to 2001 A Space Odyssey, but highbrow science fiction was of fairly rare thing for sure uh early on and this this takes itself very seriously and i think oh, some people sure. faulted for that but it's one of the things about which i like it yeah you know another thing that i thought was very interesting about this and i i did not know this going in and i i'm i'm gonna guess that this is probably a, a controversial uh, aspect of the movie 
one thing when people talk about movies, uh, books being adapted into films is the problem of with a novel, you can uh, know all the characters' thoughts. And that's tough to do with a movie. And I thought it was very interesting that he was just basically like, and you know, you touched on it, but we're everybody's just going to have an inner monologue, you know? So all through the movie, you're hearing everybody's thoughts, which I'm sure there are people that don't like that, but I, I kind of, I, I think that kind of helped from the standpoint of somebody who didn't know the source material. The, you know, there was a lot of times that I was lost to a degree with this, but that inner monologue helped some. And I, and I thought that was kind of a cool stylistic touch. I'm sure they won't do that in the new one. I wouldn't think unless that's a, a major aspect of the, of the books. I don't know. I need to go back and reread the books actually, because I, they are considered some have called Dune the, the greatest science fiction of all time, which yeah. is pretty lofty um, <laughs> praise. I did. The books are are spectacular. They there are too many of them. I don't remember if there are six or nine. Um, but you know, books one, two, and three arc this sort of trilogy of uh, Paul Atreides, Paul Maudib, mm -hmm. and I, I think those are for any enthusiast of the genre. Those are are must read, um, mandatory reads. If you wish to stop there, uh, like I got hooked into it, so I went ahead and read all the books, and I think they they decrease and they get more diffuse. You know, to just to zoom in, this is really uh, this is a messiah story. Um, we've seen it frequently, but um, Paul Atreides is the daughter of a, uh, a his mother is in the movie they're referred to as witches but yeah. they are people who there's okay <laughs> so zoom we're going to zoom out even further space travel in this time is possible because of this material aka spice aka melange which is only only comes from a single planet in the entire universe. And it's this planet Dune or Arrakis is the name of the planet. It's a desert planet. Spoiler alerts. So if you don't want to learn about this stuff, turn it off. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a desert planet and there is a native population that nobody really keeps track of. And then there's sort of an imperial, you know, appointee who is this kind of steward of the planet in charge of mining the spice and making sure that it gets to the Spice Guild, which is yet another universal organization, um, so that space travel is possible. And, and space travel is not faster than light speed. It's about folding space and apparently imbibing this spice in various forms expands the mind to the point that these um, guild members are capable of you know, moving spaceships from one area in space to another without the spaceship having to physically travel. So it's important to the, I mean, that we don't get too into the, um, <laughs> the, the universe of 10,000 uh, 
economy Mm-mm. but but you do get the sense that space tra- this this form of space travel being really the only form of long distance space travel is pretty key and the the members of the spice guild are uh, very powerful because of that so um it turns out the emperor is afraid that this other duke might beat him out in an upcoming election. And so he puts into play a machination to get this guy out of the way. And this guy is Duke Atreides. And they've got their own planet. It's a water planet, oceanic planet. Currently, the imperial steward of Arrakis is uh, Baron Harkonnen. And they come from their own planet that is um and they're brutal he is a psychopath and he has a extended sadistic cruel and sadistic uh, psychopath and the whole planet i'm always fascinated by this in sci-fi it's like this planet is this way and that (laughs) planet is that way (laughs) that's that's a good that's a good point i never really thought about that it's very you know not the northern hemisphere, not the capital city. No, the whole planet. Is yeah, it's a desert planet, or it's water, or it's ice, or yeah. That's right. that's a great point. I never. Really you're about you're that already before. thinking about it too hard. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so he, the the plan the emperor sets in motion, and also that the universe has an emperor. It's like really I, okay. Well, again, we're thinking about it maybe too hard. So he says, "What I'm going to do is I'm going to pull the Harkonnens out of there. The Harkonnens and." The Atreides are bitter, bitter enemies. Montague and Capulet. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna pull this psychopath out of there, and we're gonna give this honorable, you know, lucrative position to the Atreides, and they're gonna move in there, and then the Harkonnens are gonna viciously retake the planet, killing their whole family and removing my the emperor's rival in this upcoming election right and no one's gonna know it's me and it's all gonna look like just a local dispute and i'll step in to be like oh no tut, 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 this is a mess stop it stop it stop it and uh, but my problem will be solved and my competitor for this upcoming election will be out of the way so that's what kind of gets things in motion and apparently it's too juicy a plum to resist so even though the atreides are smart enough to understand that this is some kind of a setup they proceed what we discover is, is that this mother of Paul's has given birth to a son despite being sworn to her order of Bene Gesserit witches to give birth to only daughters because they have a mess- messianic prophecy that one day a man will be born that is capable of taking this, you know, water of life as they call it. It's another derivative of the spice. Um, it's killed every man that's ever tried to take it. Yeah, but, but one day a Messiah will come who's able to take it and he will be capable of things that none of the witches of this um, order uh, are capable. So guess what? Turns out to be Paul. Um, and the movie and the book is his journey of becoming aware that some people are afraid that he may be the one because the arrival of a Messiah is extremely disruptive for a power structure. And it's extremely frightening for even the adherents of the religion, right? Because it it means that everything they know is going to change. So there are attempts on his life. There is uh, a lot of doubt. 
he gets to Arrakis. The, the people, the, the native population of Arrakis are called the Fremen. They live in the desert. They're uncounted. Uh, it turns out there are legions of them living all over in the deep desert. And he, he in the escape of the Harkonnen attack, he falls in with them and learns their ways. And them being of the planet where the spice is made, um, they're the sort of natural heirs to this religious order that has been sort of scattered throughout the galaxy and uses the spice but isn't native to the planet itself. So he becomes the leader of them. He takes the water of life. He ascends. Uh, it, like, opens his mind, and he gains these kind of bonkers powers. Um and I mean, that's, I guess I've been talking for a long time, but that's basically, that's the arc, the hero's arc of the movie. It's not all that different from Neo. No, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, or Jesus Christ for that matter. Um, sure. Without the giant worms. The yeah, blue, blue fewer, there are fewer giant worms in the Bible, but uh, yeah. Um, but what it turns out, the sort of, that what, 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 the big reveal in the book is that the spice isn't just part of the planet. The spice is the worm itself. It's the excrement of the worm. It is the decaying um, worm. You know, so when a worm dies, its body decomposes into this spice uh, as the worms travel through the planet, you know, like worms do. It go dirt goes, dirt and sand goes in one end and excrement comes out the other end. That's spice. So, just being on the planet, the only life form really on the planet are the Fremen and the, that at least that we see are the Fremen and the worms. So there's a lot of symbolism with man versus worm. Um, the worm is the spice. The spice opens the mind. You know, it allows for travel. It's just, there's a lot going on symbolically. All of which is just to say, I think that David Lynch taps into that and the, the images we get and the shots we get and the performances we get in the movie rise to that, the broadness, the broad strokes of that symbolism. Um, all of which, to me, makes it more effective. But it is a lot. There's another order of people that take some version of the spice. It stains. They're called mentats. Every duke has at least one as a kind of an advisor. They're human, but they uh, they take this, they drink this derivative of the spice that stains their lips red and makes their eyebrows grow crazy, and that makes them uh, hyper com mentally computers. Like they are, they it enhances that aspect of their logical reasoning, and they you know so they're these sort of, and we see that the Harkonnens have one, and that the Atreides have one, and. I don't even know where I was going with that anymore. I've been talking for so long. You say something. Sure. Oh, sure. So here's where I think where it doesn't work. Um, a lot of what you said in there, somebody who hasn't read the books isn't going to pick up on a whole bunch of that. It's and a lot. I think, yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately movies have to stand on their own. And I think if you, if you look at something like the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, those are uh, pretty dense um, novels with a lot of characters and weird names and all of that. But, you know, people who haven't read the books can watch those movies and, and you're not, 
like, I don't understand what's happening. Who's this person and why are they fighting? And, you know, why And it is all this? And I'm sure with the source material, that's, that's difficult to do. And we'll see what's going to happen with this new film. But, you know, I think if you look at, uh, and, and I'm sure there are people that would say this is blasphemy to compare these. But if you look at Star Wars, and, it, you know, Star Wars is more of a pop, popcorn kind of a thing. But I think compared to even a lot of movies that are made now, what George Lucas and and the other people involved with Star Wars did a great job with is you're just kind of dropped in there, but all the characters, you most almost instantly understand who they are. You know, Han Solo, he's a space pirate. Luke is, you know, Luke is not a lot different necessarily than the character of Paul. He's, you know, eventually he becomes the one. Um, you know, you've got a princess, you've got a good wizard and an evil wizard. Um, so, you know, I think for a movie, unless it's a mystery or something, which this is not, I imagine part of why this kind of bombed at the box office was, is just people who hadn't read the books, I'm sure were confused, you know? And, and I think ultimately a, that's what a screenwriter has to do is adapt the, the book, you know, make it a movie. Um, okay. So we've been having some network issues, but we're going to pick right up. You made it, you made an excellent point. I thought about George Lucas and his characters in the film being instantly recognizable as for what they were. And my only comment on that would be like, I, I agree a hundred percent, you know, this, the star Wars was not a, three volume science fiction epic first yeah. uh, uh, novel. It, it was created as a film. So I think it has an advantage in that regard. The characters in star Wars are also not like, if you go and read the book, they're also not nearly as um, deep sure. as the characters. It is, you know, it, it's a novel about human relationships set in space and the stakes are a Messiah. So, that makes adapting it for the screen tough because the goal is something closer to Star Wars where people can buy a bunch of popcorn and really enjoy it. But the source material has got many, many, many Escher-esque uh, intricacies and interrelationships, all of which drive the um, the journey of the hero. So I would say even with The Lord of the Rings, which was... Um, you know, which was a big trilogy, uh, rich with lore and interpersonal relationships. Um, it was so foundational in terms of shaping fantasy as a genre since then till now. Dungeons and Dragons being the single biggest offshoot of, of, of Tolkien's imaginings. Yeah. That I think when you start watching it, I have two points I want to make. I think when you start watching it, first of all, you know what a wizard and a dwarf and an elf are, right? Those are cemented in the popular imagination because of Tolkien's original books. So the movies have a big head start in that regard on their own. I also think that Peter Jackson did a really masterful job of weaving exposition into the dialogue. So instead of Paul Atreides, 
pausing and looking stricken while you hear Paul Atreides' voice and voiceover being like, she knows, she thinks that I'm the one, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you have Gandalf saying like, you know, these are the lost seeing stones, you know, not, not all of them are recovered. We're not sure who's watching. Now he's telling that to another wizard who knows that, right? Why, why are you telling Saruman that? Saruman understands this, mm -hmm. but the audience doesn't. And if you stop and think about it in an obnoxious way, the way I have, or if the movie does it in such a way that it takes you out of the movie and you're like, wait, why is he telling the other guy who already knows this? Then that's a failure of filmmaking. But it is necessary to bring the audience up to speed on several of those points. And I think the Lord of the Rings uh, film adaptations do a pretty masterful job of taking what is an actually dialogue in the books and converting it to dialogue so that the audience can say, wait, why is he doing that? Oh, because he just told me why he's doing that. Yeah. Um, now, uh, you know, that's a thesis right there to compare Dune and Lord of the Rings, the books, and see the challenges of adapting one or the other to the screen. But, you know, David Lynch made, a, I think, a, a big choice, and he committed to it. And I do think that this is a film... I've seen it several times. I do think that this is one of those films that to really get it all, you probably need to see it more than once. And those, this was not particularly critically acclaimed, but while those are sometimes critically acclaimed, those don't tend to be audience favorites. Yeah, for sure. I think with the, in the you know, I mean, this is 100% pure spec speculation, but I'm just going on uh, what, I think this is a pretty good guess based on what we've seen before. I think with the new movie, the, I think the screenplay will be much better. I I don't think you're going to have uh, where, you know, you're going to need a scorecard to understand everything that's going on. And I think another thing that, that hurts this 84 adaptation. And again, I can't speak to what the books are like, but there's not a whole lot of action. Um, you know, it's pretty dry. There's some action at times. And I imagine the Denis Villeneuve or however you say his name, I think it's going to be, this will be quite a bit like Blade Runner 2049 in that it's still a cerebral, you know, that's a cerebral movie, yeah. but it has enough action in it that it's not just like, you know, it's not 2001 or something, which 2001 is, one of my all time favorite movies, but I could see how a lot of people would not enjoy that. Cause there's not a lot of, so I think, you know, there's definitely going to be more action in this new one. And I think you're going to just have a much tighter script. So things are more accessible for non, you know, hardcore fans of the books. Um, are you with me? Hello. The internet is conspiring against us, but um, we're 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 gonna admit defeat at this point. We're gonna wrap it up. Um, I would say well worth the watch. Certainly worth pairing with the new version of Dune coming out, which I'm excited to see. What would your advice be, Chris? So I, I would recommend this to science fiction fans. I I think this movie gets a bad rap. It's, you know, it's a little slow by, especially by today's standards, but 
even just from, I really enjoyed it from a visual standpoint. Again, a lot of the times I was kind of confused, but I, I could get the gist of what was going on. But I think there are some cool, you know, some, some definitely some great visuals here. So overall, I liked it. All right. I liked it too. That's two likes. So go check it out. Hello.